If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 8. If you want to follow along in your pew Bible, uh, Romans 8 is on page 944 of our pew Bibles. We're focusing on Romans 8 verse 32, but I will begin reading uh, with Romans chapter 8 verse 28. Hear God's word, Romans 8, verse 28, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen to this reading of God's holy word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that all of your word points us to Christ, from Genesis to Revelation. Thank you for your sure, strong, saving love for us in Christ. Thank you as well for giving to us your Holy Spirit. And on this Lord's Day, Father, May we see uh, the security uh, of our salvation because of, not only because of Christ's humble birth, but because of his sacrificial death for our sins on the cross. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, every family has their own tradition at Christmas. Different traditions for opening presents. You know, one family might uh, make a uh, 
a, a mad dash to the Christmas tree to find their presents, tear their presents open in a New York minute. And then usually you hear this, is that all there is? Other families, it, you know, it's like a, a Hallmark movie. They, they open their presents slowly, one at a time, carefully fold the paper, I guess for next year. Uh, in our family, uh, we were handed our presents. You know, usually the youngest one in the family would hand out the presents and open them one at a time, and we would tear open our wrapping paper. Uh, we love to see it burn in the fireplace uh, when it was all done. But my mother would always remind us, I can still hear her voice, loving voice, you know, save the gift tags. Uh, she wanted us to remember who gave us the gift. And part of that was because after Christmas, one of our traditions was writing thank you notes uh, to all those grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever had given us gifts. You know, it's a good thing for us to remember the gifts we've been giving, given along with the loving sender of the gift. I invite you to follow along here in Romans chapter 8, especially verse 32. Here, Scripture reminds us that as Christians, we've been given the most gracious gift that ever has been given. And that is the gift of God's Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, we've been given the greatest and most gracious gift that has ever been given, that ever will be given. And that is the priceless gift of salvation in Jesus. Now at Christmas, it's a good thing uh, to give and to receive gifts. Now, but may we always remember and rejoice in God's gracious gift uh, of a sure salvation for in Christ, we see here in Romans 8.32, in Christ, God's own Son, God graciously gives us a sure salvation. You know, what is the biblical basis for our sure salvation? You know, just looking at this one verse of Scripture. You know, and uh, to follow along, think of God, think of a gift, uh, but then we'll conclude with grace. We begin with the God of our sure salvation. Romans 8, verse 32, that first phrase, he, that is God, he who did not spare his own son. You know, one of the blessings of going through Romans 8, and we're going to return to it after Christmas, is that it teaches us as to how every person of the Trinity is involved in our salvation. You know, God the Father, there in Romans 8, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? As well, we see God the Holy Spirit. If you go back to verse 11, we read this, Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And then, of course, we see Christ. 
as our Savior. Romans 8, verse 3 again. Romans 8, 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and forth sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. You know, so here we see in Romans 8, 32, that he who spared not his own Son Now, a pastoral clarification here uh, for the church family. Scripture calls us children of God. We see that in verse 16. We are called sons of God, sons and daughters of God, small s, small d. You know, but Jesus is the son of God. He who did not spare his own son. Literally, he that his own son not spare. You know, God the Father did not spare his own son, his beloved son. You know, God the Father called Jesus his beloved son. You see it there at Jesus' baptism. Uh, You see it again there at the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, Peter, James, and John bore witness to it. We read in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 16, 2 Peter 1, 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he, that is Christ, received honor and glory from God, the God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. You know, God did not spare his own Son, his beloved Son. You know, God did not spare. You know, that, that's a strange expression for us today. We looked at it there in Genesis chapter 22. You remember when God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac, there on the altar on Mount Moriah? You remember that as Abraham faithfully raised the knife to slaughter his promised son, The angel of the Lord called to him at the last possible moment and said to this, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to harm him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld or not spared your son, your only son, from me. And you know the rest of the story, how God graciously provided that ram caught in in the thicket. And and that ram was sacrificed in the place of Isaac. So God spared Isaac. But God did not spare his own son. You know, think about the gospel truths about Jesus' purposeful incarnation and our sure salvation. Sometimes that 
Christmas and other times we can have uh, these biblical blinders on. We just read the accounts in Luke or in Matthew. I heard it in Jason's prayer. All of scripture points us uh, to Christ beginning there in Genesis 3.15. But but hear this gospel promise again. Uh, Galatians chapter 4. Uh, Verses 4 through 7, Galatians chapter 4, we read this about Jesus, God's Son, the Son of God. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You know, because God did not spare his son, we then can become, by God's grace, sons, daughters, children of God. You know, one of the Christmas hymns that you might hear this week is O Holy Night. Uh, That was a prelude uh, that Hannah and Catherine played. I didn't even know they were going to play that. But there's one verse. This hymn is not in our Trinity hymnal. But listen to the first verse. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. It's especially that phrase that I would call to your attention, long lay the world in sin and error pining. You know, the world was in the bondage of sin. You know, we, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Sin and error pining. That's not a word we use too often. It speaks of suffering, struggling sorrowing. That's what our life was like before Christ. But God did not spare his own son. He sent his son, his one and only son, to save his chosen children. So the first truth here about our sure salvation is the God of our sure salvation. He who did not spare his own son But back to Romans 8, verse 32, the gift, secondly, of our sure salvation. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. But gave him up for us all. Or delivered him up for us all. You know, to give you a a taste of that word, gave up or delivered up, it's used in scripture of speaking, of sending a lawbreaker to jail. Matthew 18, 34, Pilate, when he handed over Jesus to be crucified, 
in Matthew 27, 26. He delivered him up. He gave him up. But there's one other use. You know, God the Father justly, lovingly, righteously commanded his own son to suffer for our sins on the cross. And Jesus, the Son of God, obediently went to the cross to die for our sins. Ephesians 5 verse 2 puts it this way, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So God the Father delivered up the Son, but Jesus, the Son of God, Savior of sinners, gave himself up for our sins. It speaks of Christ our sacrifice. You know, we sometimes hear the question, or at least as a minister I've heard the question, well, who sent the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross? You know, who, who gets the blame? You know, some people say, well, it was the Jews. You know, even to this day you hear that. Others would say, well, it's the Romans. And technically it was the Romans who nailed Christ to the cross. The Jews brought the charges, though, against Jesus. The Romans carried out the crucifixion of Jesus. But truly it was God the Father who gave up God the Son for our sins there at the cross. We read that earlier in Romans. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Romans 4, 25. Speaking of Jesus, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You know, the gift of our sure salvation is secure because Christ is our sacrifice, that Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A costly sacrifice. John Murray, a professor, one-time professor at Westminster Theological Seminary, wrote a little book, but it's slow-going, entitled Redemption Accomplished and Applied. But this is what he writes about Christ's costly sacrifice. Just a sentence. The costliness of the sacrifice assures us of the greatness of the love and guarantees the bestowal of all other gifts. You know, here again, just that first part, the costliness of the sacrifice assures us of the greatness of the love. You know, if we ever have doubts in our minds, struggles, you know, does God really love us? How much does he love us? You know, think not only of Christ's birth, his incarnation, but more importantly, think of Christ's sacrifice for our sins. And that's the second part. Christ is not only our sacrifice, but still thinking of the gift of our sure salvation, Christ is our substitute. You know, God the Father gave up his own son, Jesus, for us all. Christ died in our place. He took the punishment for sin that was rightly due unto us. He bore the holy wrath of a holy God there on the cross of Calvary. 
That's why he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, for that mysterious, marvelous, merciful moment in time, a holy God, God the Father, looked away from God the Son as Christ fully bore our sins there on the cross. Jesus surely and savingly bore God's wrath against sin so that he might fully pay the price for our salvations. You know, one of the striking verses, every time I read it, Hebrews 12, verse 2, hear it, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There's not only joy at Christmas, you know, but here scripture says there is joy even on Good Friday, even there at the cross. Because there at the cross, Jesus fully paid the price for our salvation. We stand forgiven at the cross. Christ is our sacrifice. Christ is our substitute. Christ is our Savior. It's still thinking about the gift of our sure salvation. But gave him up for us. Gave him up for us all, for you, for me, all those that he has graciously called to saving faith in Christ. One of the the verses that should be uh, burned into our memories and on our hearts is that verse we say often at Christmas. Luke 2.11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, what's the word? Savior. That's what we rejoice in. For unto you is born this day, sweet little baby, cute baby. No. Unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus delivers us from the death grip of Satan. Jesus redeems us from debtor's prison. Well then, who then does Christ save? If this is a gift, you know, who is the recipient of this gift? Romans 8.32 tells us, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. A few words about that pronoun us. This is not a verse supporting universalism. I don't believe all dogs go to heaven. hope that's not disappointing news. Maybe our dog. Ask Lynn. But all s- sinners, not, not everyone is going to be in heaven. Who, who is the us here? Go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 7. Romans 1, verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Or one other verse from Romans, Romans 10, verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So it's those upon whom God has set his love, chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world, those who are called by his grace to saving faith, those who give confession of their faith before the Lord. You know, here, Robert Haldane's insight on Romans 8.32. Again, just a sentence. God thus delivered up his son that he might rescue us from that misery which he might have justly inflicted upon us and might take us who were children of wrath into his heavenly presence and there rejoice over us forever as the trophies of his redeeming love. That's what we are, trophies of his redeeming love. You know, because of his gift of our sure salvation. Well, what then should be our response uh, to God's gift of a sure salvation? Gladness. You know, at, at Christmas, much gladness, but then someone is going to be Grieving, sorrowing, struggling, disappointed. Where does our gladness come from? It comes from Christ and in Christ alone. Secondly, gratitude. You know, be grateful and verbally grateful for God's great gift of salvation in Christ. Not only gladness and and gratitude, but uh, generosity. Show the love of Christ. Speak of the love of Christ this Christmas. We need it more than ever. Even Christians are guilty of that, uh, I won't call it a sin, of self-quarantining. Let's just stay close. Let us be generously showing that gracious love of Christ. The God of our salvation, the gift of our sure salvation. Finally, the grace of our sure salvation. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know, how will he not also, there's a... uh, a refined form of logic, Greek logic way of speaking back then. They would go from the uh, the greater to the lesser. In other words, if God did not spare his own son, if he has given us the greatest, most glorious, most gracious gift, you know, that, that great thing, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You know, along with him, graciously give. And that's the the root word there, grace. To us, 
you know, to, to those who are trusting in Christ for their salvation. You know, freely give. Graciously give. Again, it speaks of a, a compassionate canceling of a massive debt. God's providential forgiveness of our sins. You know, it's a gift given to us, unworthy sinners, saved by God's grace. You know, grace, God's grace to us in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. How will God not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You may be asking at this point, as I ask, what are the all things? It's not a health and wealth gospel. Name it and claim it. If I wish it hard enough for Christmas, I'll get it. What are the all things? Looking at this in light of all of Romans thus far, you know, God has justified us, declared us righteous in Christ. God is sanctifying us, graciously conforming us day by day to the image of his Son and our Savior Jesus. All things includes assurance of our salvation. You know, look at the previous part there, Romans 8, verse 32. Abiding peace in Christ. The hope of glory with Christ. You know, that, that's just a sampling of the old things that God has graciously given to us. One Presbyterian preacher, not me, put it this way. If God gave up his son for us all, there is no limit to God's love for us. You know, at this morning's worship service, we've already sung three Christmas hymns. And uh, actually, we're going to sing a hymn after the message this morning. It will be Silent Night. They're on page 210 of our hymnal. But we've also sung a unique Christmas hymn. You, you may have asked yourself, you know, why are we singing the power of the cross, you know, at Christmas? You know, why, why not another Christmas hymn? I believe it is a Christmas hymn. It speaks of Jesus, God's son. It speaks of our salvation, the price that was paid for our salvation. It speaks of the greatest, most gracious gift that ever was given. God giving us his son, God giving us his gift of salvation in Christ. You know, listen again to that last verse and think of Christmas and God's gracious gift. Oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live 
one through your selfless love. Then the chorus. This the power of the cross, Son of God, slain for us. What a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. You know, as Christians, we cannot prize the good news of Christ's incarnation without proclaiming his death for us on the cross. So let us, as God's redeemed children, proclaim the good news of our Savior's birth. Let us rejoice in Christ's gracious death for our sins there at the cross. Let us bear witness uh, by God's grace and for God's glory to God's sure gift of salvation in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you for your most gracious gift in giving to us your Son, your one and only Son, your beloved Son, to be born not only as a babe in a manger in Bethlehem, a humble, lowly birth, but you gave your Son your one and only Son, Father, to die for our sins on the cross. And Lord, we pray that today and in the days ahead, on Christmas Day and even past Christmas, Lord, as we continue to um, live by your grace and for your glory in these uh, pandemic days, Lord, give us gospel hope, unending joy because of Jesus' sinless life, his sacrificial death. We give you praise always in Jesus' name. Amen. So I would invite you to turn in your hymnals to 210, Silent Night, Holy Night. We can never sing too many Christmas hymns. encourage you to do that as families in this Christmas season. But let's stand together as we sing of this uh, great and glorious hymn of the faith, 210.
Amen. Be seated, please. This morning, um, as on every Lord's Day, it is our gospel privilege uh, to come to the Lord's table together. The Lord's table is for the Lord's people, the Lord's family, uh, those who know they're sinners and yet sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ, uh, those who have given a profession of faith uh, before a church family, been baptized in the faith, living that life that brings honor and glory to God, You're invited uh, to come to eat of the bread and drink of the cup by faith. It's not our faith, it's faith in Christ. This morning we remember um, God's gift of grace to us in Christ. That's what we celebrate at, at communion. That God in his grace has set set his love upon us in Christ. And we can know that assurance of salvation in Christ. What Christ did for us, not only in his birth, but more importantly, in his death for our sins at the cross. in your walk. 